Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we conclude our Sunday sermon series on miracles. With the final message in the series entitled Becoming Very Great, here is lead pastor Rex Johnson. see everybody today. What a joy to have you. Now today is going to be a very special day, uh, an extremely special day because the Lord has impressed upon me to do something and when the Lord impresses me to do it for several weeks, I, I, I feel like I have to obey Him and uh, we have had some great miracles this week. We really, this month, we've had some great miracles. It's just been, been phenomenal, been phenomenal. But the Lord impressed me today to bless people who are blessed. Uh, Look at your neighbor and say, you're blessed. The Lord has impressed me to pray for people that own businesses, that have jobs, that are looking for promotions, that God will magnify and multiply where you are. There's sometimes we don't need to preach survival miracles. We need to preach prosperity miracles. I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to talk about it. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about being very great in the kingdom of God. And uh, why can't we? Why can't we go from great to very great? Why can't we just go ahead and make that step? into a great world of victory in our life. You know, there's a difference in the word victory and triumph. Victory is when you win a race. Triumph means you are continually winning races. And we want to triumph in this church. We want a triumphant church. We want a church that is ready and on fire for God and doing something in our world. We want to do that. So we're going to pray for you today. And so when I get through, I'm not going to give a normal altar call. I'm going to get couples to come and we're going to pray for you. Uh, I did this one time. The only other time I've ever done anything like this, I prayed for six couples to have kids, and, and, and they all had three or more. They couldn't have children. And one man came to me and said, Pastor, you've prayed enough. We've got four. Quit praying. I said, I quit praying the day that I prayed for you. But I feel that there's victory in this house. There's triumph in this house today. I really do. I feel that. And the Lord is mightily with us, mightily with us. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? You're awesome people. This is the last Sunday of what we call Miracle Month, but I believe miracles are going to continue. They're going to continue. Thank you for your prayers for our family. Uh, We don't talk a lot about it, but when you start leading a church in the miraculous, many times the home of the leader gets attacked. It's just the way life is, but we're not on the losing end. We're on the victorious end. God, God's already turned it around. The hand of the Lord is on us, and so we're very happy. I'm going to speak today on the subject that I'm very excited about, becoming very great. Everybody say, becoming Becoming. very great. great. And I'm going to to use a text today from the King James 21st century edition. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. Everybody say, he got twice. Of what he had. That's a hundredfold blessing. He got the double portion. Before Elisha ever came along in life, God gave a double portion to a man called Isaac. 
Amen? Amen. It's not new to God. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great. Say, waxed great. And went forward and grew until he became, say it with me, very great. Very great. I want to speak today on the subject becoming very great. There is a world of difference, folks, between better and best, between good and excellent, between amateur and a pro. Paul Dunn was an amateur that led the British Open after three rounds, but he didn't finish first. He had a swing, but the mind's not quite right to receive the awards that he needs in his life. The best amateurs pale in comparison to a professional in any given field. Natural talent will take you a long way, but it takes years of work to transform that natural talent into what I call true greatness. In this passage, the Bible makes a distinction between great and very great. Between the greatness of a one-time blessing and the greatness one grows into with God. There is a greatness that can come from a one-time miracle of God. And some of you have found that this month. Amen? Amen. But past that, there is a greatness that is beyond. It is called very great. Isaac sowed and basically he had one big bumper crop kind of looked like that, that came strictly by the blessing of the Lord. God blessed Isaac, and he knocked it out of the park. Now, Isaac has a choice to make, and here's the choice. He can ride out this blessing, he can ride out this bumper crop for as long as he can, or he can do what it takes to take the blessing of God that has made him great and use it to transition into true greatness. See, the body of Christ needs a real understanding today about what it is to be true in greatness with God. It's not bestowed. It is grown into. One can live a long time off of one bumper crop. How many remember the night you got saved? Come on, lift your hand. How many remember the day you got baptized? Come on, raise your hand all over the house. How many remember the day that God healed you one day? Come on. That's bumper crop stuff. You can coast a long time on potential. You can stretch a blessing out a long way, but it will not get you from great to very great. So I speak on that concept today. When Isaac waxed great, he did something. The Bible said he went forward. Everybody say, Isaac Isaac went went forward. There are miracles, folks, stay with me now, of survival, and there are miracles of prosperity. And Isaac moved forward from survival to prosperity. God Almighty blessed Israel, the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt. He blessed them in the wilderness with manna every day and with water from a rock. And with clothes that didn't wear out. And with shoes that were like iron shoes. Miraculous, yes. But they were still living on bread and water. So they were prisoners to bread and water. Then he takes them into the promised land. And they have flocks. And they have herds. And they have vineyards. And they have houses. And they have wells. And they have meat. And they have milk. And they have wine. 
and they have fruit. It's a whole lot better than water and bread. But this miracle of prosperity means now they have to go to work. So I've lost some of you right now. They can't roll out of bed and scrape breakfast off the ground anymore. They can't go speak to the rock and let water gush out anymore. When you move from great to very great, you're moving from survival to prosperity. But it also means that you're moving from getting everything handed to you to a place where you're making things happen in your own life. Put it on the screen. The lie of the prosperity doctrine is that life at the very great level happens the same way that it happens at the great level. God will give you survival miracles. He will heal you on your deathbed. He will touch you when the doctors say, I can't do anything else. He will bring you back when everybody gives up on you to keep you from dying and starving to death. But that's not what he wants you to live. God may give your marriage a blessing to keep it from crashing, but you have to work to make it awesome. God may touch your finances to keep you from getting evicted from your apartment or from your house to better, your ma better manage your blessing. If you want financial freedom, you've got to learn how to manage money in your life. God may miraculously deliver you from bondage, but you better learn discipline when you've been delivered if you want to live in perpetual freedom because the drug world, the alcohol world, the world back yonder still is calling for you, but I want you to live beyond survival in the middle of prosperity in your life. Somebody help me preach right now. Three things I want to share. Number one, survival miracles are for a limited time. Say limited time. <laughs> Prosperity miracles are perpetual. They just keep producing. Number two, survival miracles are strictly God's doing. Prosperity miracles involve you and him. Number three, survival miracles happen to you. Prosperity miracles happen because of you. There is a difference today, folks, between great and very great. There is a difference between poverty miracles and prosperity miracles. The choice between a great past and a great future, that's the difference between great and very great. The Bible said Isaac went forward from being a guy with a great story to a guy with a great future. That blessing, that bumper crop that God gave him, that thing that fell miraculously from the sky is not going to last long. I call it the lottery blessing. But the longer it's been since that blessing, the less strength it has in your life. You're going to have to decide if you always want to live rejoicing over what happened or you're planning something that will happen in your future. That spiritual breakthrough, that touch, that revelation, that financial blessing, that opportunity, that talent, that reprieve that has come to you, those blessings only have so much lifespan in them. Every person has to decide between a great story that happened one time or you'll decide to move forward and become very great. People who do not move forward become one-hit wonders. They become flashes in the pan. They become shooting stars. But when you move forward in God from being great to very great, you're moving from being a person with a great past to being a person with an awesome, great future in your life. 
Here's what I want to tell you. Are you a person of potential or are you a person of achievement? Somebody look at somebody beside you and said, I'm going to step into achievement today. I'm going to walk and become very great. I'm going to move forward in the kingdom of God. Got to be that way. I put in my notes, preach here. The miracles that God has given many of you this month. Tells everybody that he's put a bumper crop in your field. He has given you a hundredfold. He's taken away no life and given life. He's taken away cancer and given healing. Another precious saint walked up on the porch today and said, Pastor, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer. I said, no, I will not accept it because God knows how to take cancer out and put healing in. And God knows how to take a bad heart out and put a healed heart in. And God knows how to take big blood pressure down and put good blood pressure in. God knows how to give you a hundredfold blessing in your life. How many of you could wave your hand and say, I've had a miracle this month? Come on. I've had a miracle. I've had a hundredfold blessing. God's turned me around 180. But the miracles God's given many of you this month tells everybody that there's no telling what you could become in Jesus Christ if you don't just live on that. But you turn and say, I'm moving forward and I'm going to a greater future. I'm going to a better day. I'm going to a better horizon. I'm going to something greater in my life. Oh, hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm talking about today? God deserves more than a one bumper crop of blessing praise from you. We need to become more than promise and potential. The Bible calls people empty clouds that promise much but carry no rain in the book of Jude. God expects so much out of your life. In Genesis, the very first command for you was to be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Not just hold on to a garden. Not just try to walk around and look good naked in a garden. No, but to be fruitful and multiply. Among the harsher rebukes in the New Testament and condemnations handed out in Scripture is one given to the servant who buried his talent and made no effort to multiply it. I believe he was cast into outer darkness. Here's what I want to tell you. Deciding to move forward from great to very great changes you from a person of potential to becoming a person of achievement. And I want to move this church this month from survival mentality to prosperity mentality, from a great past to a glorious future. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Lord God, have mercy. I wish I had some funny stories to tell, but I got too much preaching to give you. 
The Bible said Isaac went forward. Everybody say he went forward. And he grew. The first thing I want to tell you, two little points here before I preach my sermon. You got to learn to move forward. You got to learn to move forward. You got to have a get over it spirit. You got to have a get over it spirit. We're living in a day, folks, when it's not hard to be offended about life because we got a tough world to live in. But you got to move forward. You got to get over it. You got to get past it. You got to use stumbling blocks as stepping stones. You got to step up on something that you that hell thought was a stumbling block to see the future greater. And number two, you got to get over stuff that's happened good in your life. Because you can't dwell there. You can't build a tabernacle there. You can't build three tabernacles there because a cloud's fixing to come. And God's going to take away Moses and Elijah. So Pete, you don't need three tabernacles. One will do, all right? But here's what I want to tell you. You've got to learn to move forward. You've got to step over some things. You can't let death. You can't let persecution. You can't let trial. You can't let pain. You can't let heartache. You can't let depression. You can't let anything stop you from moving forward. You've got to keep moving in the presence of God because you can't dwell on a bumper crop blessing. Hallelujah. So when you move, you've got to get in motion. You got to dance a little. You got to learn to dance with grace. You got to dance with mercy. You got to get on the dance floor. You got to move. You got to say, no, no, no. Nothing's going to hold me back. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. I'm not going to let anything deter me. Nothing stop me. I'm preaching right now. I'm telling you, you've got to move if you want to be very great in the kingdom of God. Bodies in motion tend to stay in motions. Bodies at rest tend to stay at rest. There's some people that said, well, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to sit right here till the Lord comes. Somewhere in your life, you've got to find perpetual motion. You've got to find motion. Don't, do not rest on what you did. Be stuck in what you were. You're not on the same level of spiritual experience. You are moving forward. Paul said in Philippians, he said, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, I got to move forward. I got to keep moving forward. And the second thing you did, it's in your text. The Bible said you got to grow. You got to grow. As you're moving forward, you need to be growing spiritually, emotionally. Intellectually, I don't want to bog down here, but the curse of the church is that too many people that get born again never grow one iota in Almighty God. They remain on the same spiritual baby level that they were the day they got saved. They've grown up in church, but they've never grown up in God. And they're still waiting for somebody to spoon feed them and wipe the drool from the corners of their mouth. But the book says that Isaac grew. He grew. 
You need to read a book somewhere. You need to find an experience. You've got to grow. Hebrews said, in fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the simple truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who are constant, by which constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. Growth would solve the majority of problems in a marriage. Growth would solve the majority of problems in a business. Growth would solve the majority of problems in a person. Growth would solve the majority of problems in a church. And growth would solve the majority of problems in this world. Somebody said, let's move forward. I'm preaching today. We got to move forward. And we got to grow. Clap your hands real big. I'm fixed to preach now. There's three things that Isaac did in leaving great to become very great. There's three things that he did. Number one, I think it's so amazing. When God blessed him with that bumper crop, Abimelech, the king, came to him and said, Get out of here. We don't need you around. You're too great for us. Get out of here. And Isaac, being the kind man that he was, said, Okay. He was afraid of Isaac. He was afraid of his potential in God. Hallelujah. I don't know how that fits right now, but I'm fixing to fit it. There are some times that hell can look at a person that they know are moving forward and are growing. They say, I can't do any business with you. I can't do any business with you. you, you you've got a hold of something. You've got a perpetual motion in you. You've got a growth factor in you. I can't stop what you're doing. You're like a machine. I can't stop you. You're like, you're like Rambo. I can't stop you. You can take down 42 men with one handgun. I can't stop you. I can't stop who you are. I can't stop what you are. Wouldn't you like hell to say that to you? Just get on down the road. Let me work on somebody I can handle. The first thing he did when he left Abimelech, he went and he dug out his dad's wells. He digged his father's wells again. Genesis 26 and 18 says, Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. Truly great, you have to dig out some old wells. Let me preach to you now. The past holds the answers to the future. There are things that worked way back when that will still work today. I know times change. I know methods change. I know practices and cultures change. No one is more aware of that than me because many times I have felt like the man from La Mancha. I feel like I'm out of place and out of touch, and out of time. Yet I also understand that some truth is timeless, and some lessons have already been learned, that there is no need to make the same mistake again. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. If praying and waiting on God gave birth to a church in the book of Acts, it's time to dig that well. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, David is on the run from his enemies. 
And he stopped in the house of the Lord at Nob for some food from the priest. And he asked the priest for a weapon. And in 1 Samuel chapter 21 verse 9, the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you slew in the valley of Elah. Behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it. For there is none other save it here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it me. Give it me. Athaliah was a wicked queen that lived for six years and reigned for six years. But there was a young man named Joash who was saved in the house of God by a priest named Jehoiada. And when they brought that young man out to crown him king at seven years of age, Athaliah went crazy. And she had a, she had a guarding system. You couldn't come in with a weapon into the place where she was. But she didn't realize that when they walked in to slay her that day, they brought nothing in their hands except hand claps for the king. But when they looked on the wall, there were old weapons that had been hung up from victories of yesterday. And they took the weapons of the victories of yesterday and destroyed the enemy trying to stop the king from living in their life today. Here's what I'm telling you folks. There's some past victories in your life that still work today. I'm here to tell you, it worked to slay a giant, it'll deliver you now. What worked to bring that first blessing? What worked this far? What gave you birth to passion in your life for the first time? You may need to go back and dig up that old experience in an altar. You may need to go back and dig up that old burden of ministry that you buried in your busy life. You may need to dust off a vision in your life you used to have. You need to dig out dad's old wells again. You need to go back and say, hey... I'm telling you, there's some things need to carry over in our life. And one of them is the presence of God. And one of them is the Holy Ghost power. And one of them is divine healing. And we need that in our life. We need to dig our wells and say, no, no, no. I don't want to lose those things in my life. I want to be very great. In the kingdom of God, he dug out his dad's old wells. Revelation 3 said to the angel at Sardis, write this, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. You're staggering in your spirit, your passion, your vision, your hope. It's about to die. Remember what you have received and what you have heard. Somewhere in a past sermon that you heard, you heard from God. You received a blessing. You received a one-time bumper crop. You received a ministry, a vision for your life. Go back and dig it up. For the past is the key to your future. My mom and dad's marriage endured. They raised some responsible kids. Values were passed on. Great economies were built. Great neighborhoods, great churches. Because there were people that understood what marriage was all about. If you don't value the past, you will never be significant in the future. You better understand that wherever your head is starts with that old well. You've got to get that old well in your spirit every now and then. Say, I'm going to dig out some old wells of blessing in my life. The second thing that Isaac did, many people never preach this. He searched and found a spring. He searched for a spring and he found it. Genesis chapter 26, 19 said, Isaac's service dug in the valley and they found a well of springing water. Let me tell you something. I need the apostle's well, but I also need a spring. David said, you have anointed me with fresh oil. 
You know, wells many times in the old country had to be chlorinated because they got bad, because they didn't do right. But a spring never had to be chlorinated, never had to be. It was just living water. That's what Jesus compared the Holy Spirit to. It's going to be a well of water springing up. It's a well that had a spring in it. It wasn't a well that just cooked seeping water in. It was a well that had spring up in it. Spring up, old well, spring up. There needs to be a spring in our life. If I'm going to arise at a place of being very great, it will be because I searched for and found a spring of strength, of refreshing and anointing and hope. God could have led Israel across the desert by leading them from well to well to well. Instead, he gave them a rock that followed them with water gushing. Because God knows you need a spring to get to your destiny. Please hear me now. Some of you would have us dig out dad's well then camp out there. But this is not the same world that those wells ministered to back in the days of mom and dad. In our day, we need a spring that's current, that is fresh, that is right now. We need a rhema word today. We need a rhema word today. I speak to this congregation today that I'm giving you a rhema word today. You need a spring in your life. You need to get up every morning. And I know I've quoted it until the cows have come home and mooed and went out to the pasture. You need to get up every day saying, this is the day the Lord has made. And I will rejoice. And I will be glad in it. We need fresh worship in our life. Come on, we need some fresh worship. We need some fresh worship in our life. We really, really do. We need to sing a new song. You need to open up your mouth every, every few days and say, I'm going to sing a new song. Hallelujah. You know, you know I, I, I never have done this to my, to my staff because we've got some prolific songwriters on the staff. We've got some prolific songwriters in this band. We've got prolific songwriters. But I write songs all the time. I write them all the time. I love you, Lord. Yes, I do. How about you? And me too. That won't, that won't record. But I got up this morning, came to church and plugged on the tape and got to singing and got to crying. I had to pull over because I found me a new way to worship coming to church today. There's some times that you're going to have to have a spring in your life. You can't just get by on mundancy. You can't just get by saying, I've lost my joy, I've lost my hope. You've got to find a spring somewhere. And you've got to say, spring up, oh well. Come on, spring up, oh well. Come on, get happy in God. Get rejoicing in God. Get a new song. Get a new revelation. Get a new rhema from God. got to happen it's got to happen some pray certain prayers we only like certain songs we only respond to certain modes of worship we only like certain preachers and ministries we could only shout over and rejoice over certain revelations If I used to say in Dallas, the mighty God is Jesus, I had a man that would take off running the aisles. That's the only thing he got excited about. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that in. 
We need a spring by which God can send us new direction, new revelation, new strength for new challenges. I'm not contradicting what I just preached about digging our dad's wells, but in watching kids in a park one day swing on swing sets, I got a glimpse of what the church has to do to become a force in the world. I got an idea of the motion individuals will have to take if they're going to be relevant, significant, and very great. Kids, when they're swinging, grab a hold of the chain and they lean way back, gripping firmly on the chains, and then they kick forward hard again and again and again. And that repeated process of leaning way back, gripping the chains and kicking forward propels them higher and higher. If we as a church can learn to lean way back on the foundation of the apostles, on the foundation of the early church, lean way back to the truth dug out by generations that desired nothing more than the will of God on earth. Maybe they were blind in some areas and maybe they did stress some things too much, but never doubt their sincere passion for God if we can learn to lean way back. But we have to grasp the chains of the present. We never lose a grasp of the world we must minister to. We never lose touch with the reality we occupy. Don't lean so far back. We're not relevant to our time. We've got to keep a firm grasp on the present. But then we've got to kick hard to the future. We've got to kick hard to the future. We've got to lead the way of change. I don't wait for society to change. But we've got to move ahead with the curve with righteous authority in our life. Hollywood and online pornography, I'm preaching now, do not need to be the bellwethers of modern technology. Godless think tanks and humanistic organizations do not need to be the loudest voice in the new ethical arguments. These positions still belong to the church and to Christians in this world today. Lean way back. Grip the present. Kick to the future. You'll become very great. I close. I can wind it down pretty quick because I'm a pastor. The third thing he did, he became an altar builder. Wow. Won't have much to say about this. It kind of preaches itself. He built an altar. Genesis 26, 25, he built an altar there and called the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there. It's amazing that where he built his altar not where he dug wells and not where he found a spring, but where he built his altars, where he pitched his tent. Because your commitment to God is really where you live. Your consecration to the things of the Spirit is really where you live. I remember when I was a kid. Randy, if you'll help me. I remember when I was a kid. We never... I don't, want to sound, I don't want to sound archaic and I don't want to sound like the man from La Mancha again. I'm sorry. I don't want to sound like I'm out of place and out of time. But we never went to bed without mom and dad said, all right, boys, get on your knees. Let's go. And we, I look over to Eddie and he looked back at me and I thought, is this going to be 15 minutes or an hour tonight? <laughs> And we prayed. Or we listened to mom and dad pray. Little Caroline 
is my little sweet princess. She's the only granddaughter I've got. She knows she's got me. <laughs> Cass and Brad will take them to prayer when the day's over. And she's got a healing ministry. She's 22 months old this month. She's got a healing ministry. She lays hands on everybody. <laughs> you say, Pastor, what are you teaching that kid? I'm not teaching them nothing. Talk to her parents. <laughs> but she realizes right now where the tent's going to be pitched. And where life is really born. I have been so passionate this month. Forgive me. But I have seen God do so much for this church. I've seen him walk in here. Just like he did in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And just touch people by the droves this month. And I don't want us to live on that bumper crop of blessing. I want us to move forward and grow and dig the wells, find us a spring, build us an altar. I want us to have an altar built in our homes. I want an altar in your home. My dad and mom used to come around. My mom prayed for us all the time. She prayed. She prayed, God, keep them out of hell. Dad prayed, God, bless their future. I like when Dad prayed better. <laughs> I told one man today I miss my dad more and more every day. I miss my mom. I miss them. Because even though they were different, they put such great values in my life. Because we pitched our tent around an altar. Moms and dads, if you want to be very great in the kingdom of God, you've got to pitch your tent where you build an altar. And somebody said, well, it's too late to pray for my kids. It's too late to pray for my family. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's never, it's never too late to pray. Jesus, when they come and captured him, he said, I could even now pray in my father which is in heaven, would send six legions. Hallelujah, of angels. And he would set me free. I can right now pray. You hear me. It's never too late to pray. Don't let hell tell you you got to stop praying. It ain't never too late to pray. You pray today. You pray for your family. Pray for your home. Pray for your church. Pray for your future. Pray. It's never... Never too late. Stand to your feet. You're awesome people. I love you. Everybody say, Pastor. I'm going to dig Dad's wells. I'm going to search for a spring. I'm going to build an altar. That's how you go from being great to very great. In fact, the king came and found him when he became very great and said, Hey, let's make a peace treaty. <laughs> Read the rest of that chapter. So let's make a peace treaty. Because I don't want you messing with me because you're power, more powerful than the whole kingdom. Let me tell you something, folks. I want people in this church that hell can't mess with. That you're greater 
You're greater than you used to be. You're not hanging on to a one-time blessing, but you're moving forward. You're growing because you're digging wells and because you're finding springs and because you're building altars in your life. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.